Radakunda Giti Govardhana Ki Jai Vrindavan Dhamma Ki Jai Mithur Dhamma Ki Jai Nabhagri Mayapur Dhamma Ki Jai Jagannath Puri Dhamma Ki Jai Dhammaya Jamuna Devi Ki Jai Rakti Devi Ki Jai Tulsi Maharani Ki Jai Samaveta Bhakta Vrinda Ki Jai Lord Premanande All glories to the assembled devotees All glories to the assembled devotees all glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to Sri Guru Nivanga. All glories to Shiva Prabhupada. Nama Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prasadam Tulashi Mati Bhakti Vedanta Swami Niti Namane. Namaste Sarasvati Devi Narayana Pachami Nusaisasana Paskachandi Satana. Vandayam Sri Guru Sri Gita Parakamalam Sri Guru and Vaishnavascha. Sri Rupam Sarajatam Savagana Raghunatam Vitam Samasadivam. Sadvaitam, Sadvaditam, Parijana, Sadhikam, Krishna, Chaitanya, Devam, Shri Radha, Krishna, Padam, Sadhikam, Alamitam, Shri Vishya, Kalamitam, Shalachikam, Pushri Vishya, Vidasthan, Devata, Padijana, Palmanir, Vaishnava. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya So just a note on the Sanskrit, when the uh, Visharga, that's the H with the dot under it, when it happens in the middle of the line, you don't add an extra syllable, you just, it just becomes kind of breathy. And I, I have a hard time figuring out how to, how to say that. At the end of the line, you add an extra syllable. And you add an extra vowel, which whatever vowel comes before the Visharga. So if it's the Roman letter A without a line over it, it's like a short U, like bus, like up, and then it becomes ba. But when it's a, the Roman letter A with a long line over it, then it's a, and it becomes aha. So aha is plural, and aha is singular. And here, because we're talking about many gopis, it's they're all habitaha, karitaha, nirvitaha. So it's not habitaha and karitaha and nirvitaha. That, that would make it singular instead of plural. But I have a, I mean, I have Sanskrit expert friends who can pronounce the Visharga in the middle of the line. They just like have a breathiness to it. But I'm, I'm not even, it doesn't add a syllable, but it adds this, you can hear it. But I can't do it. I've tried, I've failed. I've also tried, for the meter for this verse, I spent about 10 minutes yesterday working on the meter for this verse. It was easy for the first two lines and very difficult for the third one. Well, I think it's the middle one, middle one, but uh, yeah. because I was really struggling with the when you have the Y like that, it goes to the next word. Yeah. And as soon as I did that, the syllabication went off. So, you know, I tried and tried and tried. So this is not going to be very good. <laughs> a New Yorker trying to say Sanskrit. Tridam palavdas chapaya chahapita. Tridam palavdas chapaya chahapita. 
Vastrani Chaiva, this is what was kind of Vastrani Chaiva Paritan Yat Yatap Yat. It doesn't work. I can't get it to work. And unless I have to just say the Y is like it's an E, which is not really the right way to do it. So I'm just going to do that. Vastrani Chaiva Paritani Atapiyam. Yeah, okay, that's not So, Dridam. Thoroughly. Palabdaha. Cheated. Chapaya. Of their shame. Cha. And. Hapitaha deprived Prastobitaha laughed at Kriganavat just like toy dolls Cha and Kalitaha made to act Vastrani their clothing Cha and Eva indeed Aparitani stolen. Ataapi nevertheless Amun towards him. Taha they Naabhisunan did not feel inimical Priya of their beloved Sangha by the association. Nivritaha. Joyful. Joyful. Translation. Although the gopis had been thoroughly cheated, deprived of their modesty, ridiculed, and made to act just like toy dolls, and although their clothing had been stolen, they did not feel at all inimical towards Sri Krishna. Rather, they were simply joyful to have this opportunity to associate with their beloved purport. Srila Prabhupada comments, this attitude of the gopis is described by Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu when he prays, My dear Lord Krishna, you may embrace me or trample me under your feet or you may make me broken-hearted by never being present before me. Whatever you like you can do because you have complete freedom to act. But in spite of all your dealings, you are my Lord eternally, and I have no other worshipful object. This is the attitude of the gopis towards Krishna. So I wanted to look at. So now to Goswami's commentary. O king, see the greatness of their prema. Or speaking of Krishna's ability to bewilder, Sukadev speaks to the girls as if he has some hatred for the Lord. He made them act like puppets because they were happy to associate with him or they became happy along with him. Jiva Goswami. How he spoke to them is described. He treated them like dolls. They became blissful by his association. Or rather, they became blissful even in his association. Ah, see the glory of deep prema. So, the most enjoyable thing for anyone is love. And even though in this world 
we are cheated in our love over and over and over and over, whether it's love for parents, for children, for brothers and sisters, for friends, for romantic partners, for spouses, for animals, for country, for whatever. We're cheated over and over and over and over again. We still all believe in love and want love, isn't it? Because it's the most enjoyable thing. So you see, you know, there's, I'm sure we all know people who've been married like five, six, seven times. Right? Why? Because that we want love. We're, no matter how much we're hurt, how much we've been through. Right? We want love. And it's, it's really uh, telling this was something that uh, my daughter, Tupacolata, said to me some time ago. And it really struck me. There's a presentation I have on uh, Krishna's returning to Rasila and the different kinds of loving reciprocation. The gopis name three types of relationships. Krishna expands that into nine. And he ends up saying, Naparyeham, I cannot repay you. Let your own service, let your own love be its reward. And, and what does that mean? Chapat and I were talking about this maybe a couple of years ago. That lust is when I'm loving someone because I want something from them. You know, we all know what that's like on a gross level. If someone's nice to us because they think that we're going to do something for them, that maybe we have some power or position that we can use in their favor, or we're going to give them some money, or, or even we're going to give them a nice meal, or we're going to give them some kind of praise, or something we're going to do for them. We're going to make them feel good. And we, we all know that that feels kind of dirty, isn't it? When someone's nice to us because they want something from us. Unless it's an open business relationship. You know, that's very different. If you're working in a shop and someone comes and they're nice to you because they want to buy something from you, we all know that there's not really any love involved. Yeah? But we tend to do this to others, even though it feels dirty when it's done to us, that we deal with people because we want something. And the way we know this is when we don't get what we want, we become angry, or sad, or disappointed, or bitter, or something like that. And we see this even in the Hare Krishna movement, that people will, you know, they'll dedicate their youthful years to the movement, and they'll do this and do that, and then when they don't get treated the way they expected to get treated, they become very bitter and very critical. Yes? And we see it between devotees. We see it between disciples and gurus. Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it with some of your disciples here. That, you know, people deal with... Not anyone who's here right now. In the past, I lived here a long time. That's truthful, I'm not just saying that. So we see that people, they'll they'll say, Oh, Gurudev, oh, Gurudev, oh, Gurudev. And when the guru doesn't treat them emotionally the way they want, then after a while they hate the guru. Yes, right? You didn't give me what I wanted. So it's interesting that although we really dislike people dealing with us that way, uh, we still deal with others that way. Mm -hmm. So that's the nature of of lust that masquerades as love. But even then we all want real love, and real love is happy with loving Real love means that what you're satisfied with is your feeling of love and your feeling of giving. And the other person's reciprocation or lack of it or their kind of reciprocation 
is irrelevant. It's just irrelevant. Now, we all do that sometimes in this world. You know, just like I was, I was brought up in Judaism and I was taught from the Bible that when you give in charity, your right hand or your left hand shouldn't know what your right hand is doing. I forget which hand isn't supposed to know what the other hand is doing. One of the hands isn't supposed to know what the other hand is doing. And, and Jesus talks about this. He says, don't advertise your piety. So many times we give in charity, like right now at Christmas time, that all these charities are pushing, right, on social media. I keep seeing advertisements for different charities. And generally, the recipients of the charity don't know that you gave to them, right? Isn't it? Right, if you're giving to some poor child in Yemen who's starving, or you're providing for somebody's, you know, dental surgery in Somalia or something, that person doesn't know who the donor is. You're not, you're not getting something back from that person. What are you getting? You're just getting the feeling inside of, wow, I did some, something to help somebody else. And that feeling that's inside is sufficient. So we, we have a little glimpse of that even in this world. And real love is like that. Real love is that the happiness that I've given somebody else is sufficient. Whether they acknowledge it or how they acknowledge it or what, it, it's irrelevant. I'm satisfied with my own love. And Krishna feels like that toward the Jesus. It's not just that the Jesus feel like that towards Krishna. Krishna feels like that towards the Jesus. Suri He's everybody's best friend. And a lot of us don't treat him very nicely. Isn't that a fact? I don't know about all of you, but I, I don't treat Krishna very nicely, or I wouldn't be in the material world with a material body. You know, I, I'm often unaware of his presence and often ungrateful for his presence. I, I'm just like dull brain. You know, that he's the air and he's the light and he's in it. And I'm just like going on with my life. Oh, I'm doing this. And he's showering me with gifts constantly, just constantly, and showering me with love. And I'm just kind of dull, like a stone or something. What to speak of people who are actually inimical to Krishna. You know, I'm sure I've spent many lifetimes being inimical to Krishna. And Krishna still loves the living entity. He's satisfied with his love toward them. In fact, the only reason that we exist is that Krishna is so happy with love that he just wants to share it. And so he expands. As Swamsan Vivinansa, he expands just so he can share this joy and this love. Just like you're talking about getting a lot of money. What would you do with it? You would share it. Isn't it? Isn't that what we would do if we had a lot of money? If we were as rich as Bezos? Please, I don't want to be as rich as Bezos. But if we were as, bis- as rich as... What would we do? You know, we would share it. We would do massive prasadam distribution and temples and book publishing and kirtans and festivals. Isn't it? Right? Or when a porter makes a nice prep, he wants as many people as possible to taste it. Right? There's a lot of people here who will say, Ermila, I'm the one cooking today. What, what's the message? I want to share. Isn't it? Right? So Krishna's like that, and the living entity's like that. So this whole thing happening between Krishna and the gopis is Krishna's trying to please them and they're trying to please him. And I, I want to... Go back to the word Yogeshwar Ishvara. I think just you spoke on that verse. Yogeshwar Ishvara. So that 
Krishna knows, and I was, to prepare for this class, I listened three or four times to Prabhupada's dictation of this chapter in Krishna book. The Krishna knew the minds and the hearts of these jivas, what they wanted. And so Krishna's perfectly giving them what they want. That what's going on externally is, is not, it's, it's not what's actually happening. Krishna's giving them exactly what they want. So let's think of who these gopis are. So the gopis that are doing this kachani vrat are primarily sudden acidic gopis. Now the Acharyas say on his last day the Nichasiddha Gopis also come. But they're primarily sadhana Siddha Gopis. This is persons who have achieved perfection through sadhana. And it's explained by our Acharyas that one achieved perfection either individually or in groups. So there's two main groups of sadhana Siddha Gopis. Who are they? The sages. The sages that met Ram in the forest of Namashimanya and the personified Vedas. So let's think about this for a minute. So a sage who meets Ram in the forest, not Namashvara, sorry, Dandaka forest, in the Dandaka forest. So Ram is the, personifies particularly the Dhiradatta quality, that Ram is the hero. And he's very much into Dharma. And he's so into Dharma that when his father makes a promise to Kaitei, Ram goes into exile for 14 years so his father won't be a liar. He's so much into Dharma that when Sita enters into the earth, I mean, his eight Padme Rakta wasn't one wife until she dies. No, it was one wife, period. She enters into the earth and he makes a deity of her for the Yagyas. He's so into Dharma that if anybody is feeling critical of him, he'll sacrifice his relationship with his wife and unborn children in order to be the perfect king. This is his mood of dharma. So the sages are seeing Ram, and they have this interest, they have this awakening of a desire for a romantic relationship with Ram. What he offers to them is to have that relationship with Krishna, but Krishna in Vrindavan, not Krishna in Dwarka. Not as queens, not as married Swakya Baba. Think of their personified Vedas. They literally are the personification of Dharma. You know, we've talked a lot about how, Maharaj has talked a lot about how these young girls were brought up in a culture where girls would not walk around immodestly dressed, but to speak of naked in front of a boy. But it's not just that culture. We're looking at, you know, you're a personified Veda for like millions or billions of years that you have that role. You know, you are the Shastra. <laughs> Interesting, huh? You actually are the Shastra as a person. So they're very into Dharma. At the same time, they have a desire for a conjugal relationship with Krishna in Vrindavan. Like Rupa Goswami explains that if you have a desire for Shingara Ras or Kanjigo Ras with Krishna, but it's not specific, you become a queen in Dwarf. Yes? Right? Nectar devotion? You go, you go the married, the dharmic, you have a dharmic relationship with God as his bride. So like the Christian mystics that talk about Madhuri I've only read where they talk about it in that sense. 
as being the spouse of the Lord, as being the wife of God, being married to God. But the gopi's relationship with Krishna is very, very different. In fact, Krishna, the original form of God, is very different. He's not displaying godness. The king of kings, lord of lord, and king of kings, and the perfect follower of all of the rules of morality. I mean, speaking for myself, sometimes when I read these pastimes where Krishna's lying and cheating to the gopis, I've gotten upset. I mean, I remember reading one of the Goswami's literature, you know, where Krishna says to one gopi, okay, you know, I'll meet you over there at noon, and then he doesn't show up. It's just how he gets rid of her, and then he goes and meets with someone else. And I remember when I read it, I actually got upset. And I'm like, I don't want to worship some guy who's lying. You know, in this world, if someone did that, I really wouldn't hang out with them. You know, I'd say, hey, this is not somebody that I want to deal with. But this is the mood of Vrindavan. The mood of Vrindavan is not according to ordinary dharma. And, and think about this relationship Krishna has with the gopis. It's not even an open boyfriend-girlfriend relationship. Like, right now in 2020, you can be openly in a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship, right? You can take your girlfriend out to the restaurant, you can introduce your girlfriend to your parents, you can buy your girlfriend jewelry. This, this is not like that. Even the unmarried gopis, it's, it's completely closed. You know, when Radharani's accidentally wearing a, gar- a necklace that Krishna's given her, it's a scandalous thing. You know, nobody can know it's going on. I mean, everyone sort of kind of knows it's going on. But nobody can know it's going on. The gobies are ostensibly most of them married to somebody else. Or they're not married to anybody at all. And like the gobies say to Krishna when they come to the Rasalila, you know, we're not even her maidservants. You don't even pay us. You know, usually if you have a girlfriend, you give her something. You, know, you give her jewelry, you give her flowers, you give her something. Whatever Krishna gives the gopis, they have to leave in the forest. You know, he'll make them flower ornaments. They can't wear it home. And they can't show him off. You know, if you have a boyfriend, you, you want to show, this is my boyfriend. Especially if he's a really cool boyfriend. He's like, you're talking about the gallant, right? That's the uh, dear prasanta, the gentleman. Look at my boyfriend. He's the most handsome. He's the strongest. He is the most gentleman. They can't do that. They, they can't, even the, these gopis were hesitant to tell each other that they were in love with Krishna. So what kind of relationship is this? It's really a secret, 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 secret. It's a secret upon a secret upon a secret. And then they do things like playing dice games and drinking honey wine. I mean, it's pretty outrageous, actually. You know, it, this is not the form of the Lord for those who want honor, reverence, and God-like. Therefore, like Bhishma, he knew about the gopis, but he wanted to go to that country. And you find that, like in South India, they know about the gopis. They glorify the gopis, but they're mostly interested in Vaikuntha. 
And when Gopal Kumar goes to Vaikuntha and he's saying, hey Gopal, the residents of Vaikuntha say, no, 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 don't call him Gopal. Village boy, you know. It's not respectful. So not everyone is attracted to Krishna's intimate Lila. Some people would rather be in Ramlila, or rather be in Vaikuntha, or even rather be in Dwarka, and be a, you know, Paka Dharmic wife of Krishna, and have all these first-class children. I was just reading a couple days ago in Bhagavatam all the names of Krishna's children by his principal wives. You know, and they, so you have a palace with Krishna, and you get to go to functions with Krishna, and you have your wonderful children with Krishna. So there are people who want their souls who want that. So these individuals, they're attracted to Krishna in conjugal rasa, and they're attracted to Krishna in Vrindavan, in Parakya Bhav. And as Mara said the other day, this is a test. Do you really want Parakya Bhav? Are you willing to break ordinary dharma? It was hard for them, actually. You know, they're staying in the water and they're shivering, of course, they're shivering in ecstasy. And then when they come out, they're trying to cover themselves. <laughs> you know, it was hard to take that step and say, yes, we're, we're actually going to enter into Parakya Bhav. But that's what they wanted. And Krishna, as Yogeshwar Ishwar, he knew, this is what you want. Let me bring you here. Because they're praying to Kachani for Krishna to be their husband. But Krishna doesn't exactly become their husband. Okay, we can say in Gopal Champu, he becomes their husband on the other side of the Yuna. And we can say in Lalita Madhava, at least the Acharyas say that it doesn't happen all the time. That not every time are the queen's expansions of the gopis. But at least sometimes it can happen that the gopis expand and become the queens of Dwarka, and they can get Krishna as their husband in that way. And they have lots of pretend weddings. They often have pretend weddings out in the forest. But it's not exactly that Krishna's going to become their husband, like he's, we're about to come to a verse where Krishna says, I'll be your husband next year in Kartik, where they dance. But it doesn't really become their husband. It becomes their paramour. So... Krishna is reciprocating with that desire for Paraki above. And our Acharyas are very clear. Anyone who has a desire for conjugal rust and Paraki above has to follow the example of the gopis. The gopis. Otherwise, you just go to Dwarka and become Krishna's queen. And the example of the gopis is they're willing to give up ordinary dharma. Now, this shouldn't be taken, you know, that, okay, let's give up ordinary dharma in our life right now. You know, let's have all kinds of adulterous affairs and drink wine and steal and lie and cheat. You know, let, let's do that now. No. And we see that these gopis, again, they're, they're really hesitant to take this step. Because the ultimate dharma is what pleases Krishna, Dharma to Sasha You know, this is something the gopis as the highest example of prema bhaktis are understanding that the highest expression of dharma is not just the moral pose, but it's love for Krishna. 
and in the highest, 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 highest expansion of love for Krishna, it looks like it's breaking moral codes. It can't it be breaking moral codes if it's with the supreme absolute truth. How can Krishna be lying when he's Paramsattva? He's the supreme truth. He can't be lying. It's, it's, a, it's an absolute The one from whom Dharma emanates, the one who is Dharma, cannot be doing anything but Dharma. It, it doesn't even make sense. The whole meaning of Dharma is Krishna. The whole meaning of truth is Krishna. So it, it appears that he's lying. It appears that he's cheating from a, from a mundane perspective. But he's not. He's giving them exactly what they want. They want Krishna as dear Lalita and a little bit of dear Dada. They don't just want dear Dada and dear Prasanta. They want all four. They want Krishna as the bad boy, Dhiradhata. And as the joking boy, Dhiralalita, who steals their clothes. Oh, you want to marry me? Okay. Come out naked. Woo! We're your servants. We're your servants. Don't treat us like this. Well, you're my servants, and I'm telling you, come out naked. Then you have to do it. Oh. And then they do it, and they're like, oh, Krishna has accepted me. They're, they're just so happy. They don't feel that they've been cheated. They don't feel like that at all. They feel like they got exactly, exactly, exactly what they wanted. Yogeshwar Ishwar, oh, he knew my heart. He gave me exactly what I wanted. I mean, the Parakya Bhav, by nature, is full of apparent cheating and lies and subterfuge. Isn't it? Isn't that kind of the nature of the relationship? The, the Swakya is not like that. The married relationship is not like that. But the, this relationship is. And if that's not what you want, then that's not what you want. Krishna's going to give the jiva what they want. You know, even in Vrindavan, not everybody wants that. Some divas want to be cowboys. Some divas want to be, you know, in parental rooms. Some divas want to be cows. Some divas want to be trees. It's not that everybody wants to be one of the gopis in Parakya above. And Krishna gives everybody what they want. But if this is what they want, this, this kind of relationship, this kind of taste, so Krishna's giving them that. Why? Because he wants them to be happy. You know, like has been said many times in class, you know, in the ordinary life, if somebody did this, it would be abusive to say, treated you like a doll. But again, even in this world, don't romantic partners speak to each other in this way? Like, it always strikes me that people call their beloved baby. You know and it's not just men with women, women with men. The women will call their, their beloved man, hey baby. Hey, baby. <laughs> you know, and, and to say to a, for a man to say to a woman, oh boy, you're a doll. It's a term of endearment. I mean, if you think about it, it's like, what? But it's a term of endearment. I mean, I remember one of my mother was always into Broadway musicals, and one of them was called Guys and Dolls. I don't remember what it was about. 
But these are, these are terms of endearment. So the gopis aren't thinking, oh, he's using us like some kind of object for his sense gratification. No. Mm -hmm. Krishna is testing them. Is this what you want? You said husband, but, you know, do you want husband-husband? Or do you want parakeet above? That's what you want. That's what you're saying you want. Do you want it? Because if that's what you want, then I'll give that to you in full. The gopis are thinking, we want to give Krishna what he wants. And Krishna's thinking, I want to give the gopis what they want. That's all that it's about. And each is full of this love. The Krishna is so happy and pleased to see that these jivas who did their sadhana for millions and billions of years to enter into this relationship with him, when he offers it to him, they want it. You know, that doesn't always happen. There's a story explained in the Chaitanya Bhagavad when Mahaprabhu is giving everyone benedictions. Yes, and, and there's a story where he doesn't want to see Makunda because he says sometimes you associate with impersonalness. And then he says, Makunda can see me after 10 million births. And Makunda starts dancing, and then Mahaprabhu says, okay, bring him in right now. Then there's this conversation between Makunda and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu where Makunda is saying, Seeing you is not the point. Serving you is the point. And Mukunda gives all these examples of persons who saw the Lord, like different demons who saw the Lord but didn't serve the Lord. And then Lord Chaitanya tells this incredible story. He says, there was this man, who for I think it was lifetimes, was doing austerities. I want to see God. 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 And he becomes a washerman in Mathura. And Krishna and Balaram come in front of him. Here we are. Now service. Now love. Give us the clothes. I'm not going to give you the clothes. They're for Kamsa. I have experience of people taking the king's clothes and getting arrested. I wonder what his experience was. But anyway, so he says that. And Krishna just went, cut off his head. Because he was saying, I want God. I want God. I want God. I want I want. Here I am. No, I don't want you. So this is a test. I want to love you in Vrindavan as one of your romantic partners. Okay. Is that what you want? And so they're very happy. Everybody, everyone here is just overflowing with the joy of pleasing their beloved and getting their ultimate desires. And that's what we're really looking for. That's when we serve our country, when we serve a company, when we serve somebody in our family, whatever. What we're looking for this. We're looking for this satisfaction. And this is the highest level of that satisfaction. So, questions, comments? Yeah. Yes. I have a problem. Maybe you can help me with this personal problem. When you talk about getting upset with Krishna when he didn't show up, a particular encounter with the gopis, I don't get upset with that, but I get upset with when Krishna's dharmic. <laughs> I mean, what's, what's wrong with me? Uh, when Lord Ramchandra was so dharmic, he sent Sita Devi away. So in other words, he gave up love. I mean, I understand the esoteric stuff, but I'm just looking at it from an external viewpoint. He gave up love for dharma. And then you, then, but with Krishna, Krishna not showing up for an encounter with the gopi, 
that wasn't giving up love, that was to bring the gopi closer to him due to mood of separation. Mm. So therefore you'd rather worship Krishna. So, so, so I don't like Krishna when he's dark. Well, therefore you'll probably go to Vrindavan and not Ayodhya. He upsets me a lot when, I, when he gets dharmic like that. Oh, and in the Mahabharata, when Grandfather Bhishma gets dharmic, it, it, it creates problems. You know, he doesn't interfere with the disrobing of Draupadi. You know, the hell with the dharma. So it sounds like your destination is, is go over Vrindavan. Well, I just don't like dharma. But <laughs> I mean, of course, you know, we can expand in being more than one. But in the spiritual world, Laodja, don't worry. In the spiritual world, Laodja, Ram never banishes Sita. That's good. That so, if you expand and you're with Ram and Laodja, then he never does that. They're just together. They the way They're just together all the time. But but at the end of the Mahabharata, Bhishma recognizes that because he was so attached to the principles of Dharma, it actually interferes with the actual Dharma. Yes, that's the lower Dharma and the higher Dharma. It's like, you know, where did the lower dharma come from? It comes from God. So if, if God himself is saying, do something that normally we don't do, and, and if you say, well, I have to do what you normally tell me to do, then you're more attached to the rule, and you're more attached, obviously, to your ego of being a good person than you are attached to God. You know, but there are worshippers of the Lord who are so happy that the Lord is going to uphold Dharma in all circumstances. That's the mood that they have. You know, and they're they're thinking, all oh, glories to my Lord, who's willing to sacrifice his love for his wife and his love for his unborn children for the sake of righteousness. And, you know, we're like, can't you make love supreme? What is the righteousness supreme? But that's that is that mood, and so Ram is there to reciprocate that that mood of the devotees. That there, Sanatana Goswami explains, I think it's in the 14th chapter of the 10th canto, that Krishna has unlimited qualities, and there's unlimited jivas, and each jiva is attracted to a particular quality of the Lord. So there are many jivas who are attracted to this kind of quality of the Lord, that he's willing to sacrifice everything for righteousness. And other devotees are attracted to that Krishna's willing to sacrifice apparent righteousness for love. But on, on a higher level, Ram says he's just taking away for love. Yes, on a higher level, he's not sacrificing love, love at all. And on a higher level, Krishna's not sacrificing righteousness for the gopis at all. Yes. Thank you. All loving relationships. Yes. Shukrabhati, Jai.